Resurrection Assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. October 16th, 2022. All of the Saints. Paul. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. We are talking about the saints because we're going to be celebrating All of the Saints Sunday on October 30th. All Saints Day is actually November 1st, according to the church calendar, but we want to take a special time together on a Sunday to celebrate. So leading up to that, we are talking about some saints. Why are we doing that? Well, like I said last week, because the saints help us to see others who have followed Jesus, and when we look at them, we can be encouraged. We can feel ourselves urged on in our upward calling. You know, if you were going to be the first human being ever to run a marathon, you might not do it, right? But the simple knowledge that literally millions of people have already done this before you, our very own Kevin Frias, who used to be here, he trained and ran a marathon. What an incredible encouragement. If Kevin Frias can do it, so can you. Knowing that others have done it means that you can too, right? I did this with my PhD. There were more than a few moments where I thought I might not make it through that doctoral program, but I did. And I made it not only knowing that I could because others had already done it, but because my, uh, my very own sister was ahead of me by one year. And I could say at least I can make it as far as she did. There she is, everybody. Don't tell her I said that, though. That's, I was looking up to her the whole time. <laughs> Pastor Sylvia Boyer is here with us today. She has retired from the pastorate, but not from the ministry. But seeing her, I can look up to her and say, the devil didn't destroy her. And he didn't destroy her ministry. Which means the devil won't destroy me. And he won't destroy the work that God does through me. Amen and hallelujah. Should we call you St. Sylvia? I'm calling, I'm calling Francis about it tomorrow. Before he retires, Terry. Before he retires. Now all of the saints, this is what they did. And this is the substance of my shortened word this morning. I wanted to give space for our guests this morning, so I'm preaching a little bit shorter than I normally do, and you know that I'm not long-winded as it is. But listen to this. The saints, they set a goal for themselves. They set a goal for themselves, and I appreciate that the Spirit speaks because I feel like my message was right in line with what our special guest said this morning. The saints set a goal for themselves, and they pressed on to that goal. And when they, and they got there, and then they got there by keeping their eyes on the goal. So that's what we're going to talk about. This morning, I want to read a passage from Philippians. I'm going to pick up in Philippians where we left off last week. We read the two passages leading up to our sermon this morning. Last week, we talked about Timothy and Epaphroditus, two saints that we can look up to. Today, we're going to, look, we're going to talk about Paul himself, who wrote the letter to the Philippians. Paul is another saint who the Holy Spirit presents to us today as the people of God, someone we can say, that guy's like Jesus. And so I can follow him like he followed Christ. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. 
join me. It's on page 922 of your pew Bible, if you're going to turn there. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. I need a thumbs up from at least one child before I read this passage. Oh, I got two thumbs up. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm going to read it now. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for evildoers. For the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. I want to talk about three things this morning. First, I want to talk about why we need to set a goal. Second, I'm going to talk about what that goal should be. And third, I'm going to tell us how to get there. First, let me tell you why we need a goal. When I was a kid, I had no green grass in my yard. That's because I grew up in the Sahel region of West Africa. In fact, Madame, who is sitting right next to our sister in Christ, Florence, she's from Dedugu, which is the town I traditionally think of as my hometown in Burkina Faso because I owned those streets. <laughs> my sister was known as Joseph's brother, Isuf's brother, and my parents were known as Isuf's parents. I owned the place. So when I would visit the United States, I was always mesmerized by the fields of green grass. Growing up where there is no grass also meant we didn't have lawnmowers. And as an eight-year-old boy, I thought lawnmowers were just about the coolest thing. So my uncle, who, lived, uh, who we lived next to when we were in the United States, my uncle, he sensed an opportunity. He looked at me said, and he said, you know what? I'm going to let you mow the lawn. My uncle had a very large lawn because he lived along a cornfield in eastern Pennsylvania. I think he probably grew weary of mowing it sometimes, and I was going to enthusiastically give him some free labor. So he let me get on that riding mower. Uh, sometimes he'd have to put a brick behind me so that it wouldn't turn off because I was a lightweight, because I was only eight years old. You know, it has like a safety feature that if you stand up off the mower, it turns off automatically. At least the old ones did. I don't know if the new ones do. Um, so he let me ride on this riding mower, and man, I had the time of my life. But my uncle also cared about order and beauty. He didn't want his lawn looking all wonky. He wanted straight lines from the mower. 
So this is what he told me. He said, set your eyes on a distant object at the far edge of the lawn and keep your eyes on it as you ride forward. If you, don't, if you do that, you won't wobble. You won't swerve back and forth. You'll keep a straight line. And then you'll have a beautiful lawn. So I did that. And you know what? I mowed that lawn beautifully as an eight-year-old boy. All because... This is where I was going with it. All because I had a goal and I kept my eyes on it. That's why we need a goal to work towards church. If you don't keep your eyes focused way down the road on what we're working towards, if we only keep our eyes on what's immediately in front of us, then we'll be swerving all over the place. We might run out of gas before we accomplish our task. Got to keep oil in my lamp, keep it burning. And the lawn, or whatever we have set our minds to do, will be left undone, and it will be ugly. And no one wants things to be ugly and undone. We want beauty and purpose and a finish line. And I think perhaps too many of us don't ever bother to think beyond the next day or two. So hear me out. As Christians, we are supposed to be long-term thinkers and planners. And some of you don't know how to do that. But you can learn with the Spirit's help. If you're only ever thinking about what you want today, and if you never think about what you want your life to look like in 10, 20, 30, or 50 years, your life is always going to look the same and you won't accomplish anything. And honestly, you won't even be happy. And I'm not saying that happiness is everything. But One guaranteed way not to ever have some joy in life is to always live for the moment and never set a goal. Set a goal. That brings me to my second point. You got to have the right goal. Don't just make it up. You got to have the right one. We just read Paul in uh, Philippians chapter 3 and how he accomplished a lot of things. He had achieved many goals, many good goals. He was an outstanding Israelite. He kept the law. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was blameless. He was respected. He was looked up to. He really had it going on. But he says that none of that matters because all that matters is achieving the final goal. And what is that final goal? The resurrection of the dead. Paul is saying that whatever else The only thing that truly matters, the final and ultimate goal we should all have is the resurrection from the dead. You hear me? Resurrection, assembly of God. We named the church that so we would keep our eyes on the goal. All of us are going to die, church, unless, of course, Jesus comes back. Then we'll all be marvelously transformed. But aside from all that, all of us are going to die, and if death is final, then everything else we do is rubbish. But if we are raised in Christ, then everything has meaning. Our lives have purpose and direction and motivation and reward. So make resurrection your goal. I mean that to each and every one of us, including myself. Now, that of course doesn't mean that there aren't other goals that you can have along the way. But if you don't have the ultimate goal of resurrection in place, it's all rubbish in the end. Think of it kind of like preparing a meal. Like you're going to make a fantastic barbecue dinner. 
You got to have your brisket and smoke it. That's one goal. You also got to have your cornbread baked. That's another goal. Then, then you got to call up Sister Fraley. And you got to ask Sister Fraley to please bring some greens because you know you're never going to make greens like hers anyways. <laughs> then you got to get some lemonade with real lemons, please. Uh, I, let's avoid the Minute Maid, all right? Let's do real lemonade. That's another goal. And of course, you got to have gluten-free and vegetarian options. You can smoke some portobellos, perhaps, so that everyone at the church with dietary restrictions can join in on the fun. That's another important goal. And by the way, why I chose brisket, not pork, because there's some people in our church who avoid pork. Thinking about it. But if you never get to the ultimate goal of sitting down and eating the meal, then it was all pointless, right? You can have intermediate goal of making each and every dish, but you got to sit down and eat the whole meal. Can you imagine that? Eating a meal and never eating it. Excuse me, making a meal and never eating it. That sounds horrible. Sounds like torture. Don't live your whole life like a Christian and then never get to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We need to get there. That's what Paul is saying. He lived a good life. He lived like he belonged to the people of God, but he was going to miss resurrection. And without the ultimate goal, the rest was rubbish. That brings me to my final point. How do we get to this ultimate goal? Squirrel! Just kidding. There was no squirrel. I was just making sure you're paying attention. This part is important, which is why I got your attention there. How do we get to the goal? Jesus. Jesus, church. We get there because Jesus made a way for us. He's given us the recipes for every dish at the meal. He's provided the table. He's got the house. And he's the one who's going to host us there. He's the one who opened the door for us to come to his father's house. What does Paul say? It is through faith in Jesus Christ that we get there. Paul wants to know Jesus. He wants to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. He wants to share in Jesus' suffering. He wants to become like Jesus in his death so that, he become, that he, so that he can become like Jesus in his resurrection. So keep your eyes on Jesus, everybody. Look full in his wonderful face. He is the resurrection and the life. Let me conclude this hopefully brief exhortation this morning. Let me ask you, once again, to please have goals. If you need advice on how to have some goals, we got a lot of wisdom in this church. Ask someone with gray hair. Or ask Abby, Pastor Abby. Actually, I think you are, it's, She's got a few strands of gray hair, so it's time to ask her, too. You can also ask me. Holly pointed out that I had a gray hair the other day, too, so it's time. It's time for, to ask me for some advice. But don't just have goals. Above all else, have the goal of resurrection. Follow St. Paul in this, who ran the race before we did. 
Finally, have faith in Jesus and Jesus alone to get you there. Amen? Amen. We are now going to eat a meal that has been prepared. Jesus prepared it. He set the table. He's hosting. He serves us. He feeds us. Let us know him and the power of his resurrection as we eat this glorious meal together. Amen? Amen. I want to remind you that we're using glass communion cups to take them to the baskets, and as you do that, please give the laborer her wages. We want to give a love offering to our special guests, Lagressa Munnerland this morning. The altars are also going to be open. If you need prayer, the elders of the church will anoint you with oil and pray a prayer of faith in the name of Jesus that he will raise you up. The altars are also open for you to kneel before the Lord your God if you are able or to stand before him and consecrate yourself and say, Jesus, make resurrection my goal. Amen.